Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at UndercoverGreg. Joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Matt Siegel. You know him on gambling Twitter as Showtime himself. Find his picks at Showtime Cappers. It's another Wednesday edition of Full Slate, which means we look at the hump day NHL NBA college basketball menus as we try and find some competitive advantages to make some money on this Wednesday. We'll be back later in the week looking at conference championships in the National Football League and some weekend college basketball as well. Matt, always good to be with you. How you doing? Doing great, Greg. Can't wait for this week. Have a big week of college basketball, a lot of great matchups. And, you know, this is when it's really starting to get into it, obviously, with college football done NFL winding down, you know, we're really starting to turn our focus to the hardwood, especially during the week, you know, and and, and really it's almost mid-January and, you know, before we know it, it's going to be March. Yeah, no, you're right. It'll be here before we know it. So we're certainly going to be talking a lot more college basketball pretty soon. Our weekend pod will shift from football to almost exclusively college basketball uh, with uh, you know, February, I like to call it the month of Joe Lenardi when, uh, you know, we always are waiting for the next uh, iteration of his bracket, uh, who's in, who's out. And it really seems to be 
a pretty topsy-turvy year in college basketball. We'll get to that a little bit later as we will wrap up this pod with College Hoops. But let's start on the ice. There's only two games. Uh, and, Matt, you like a game between a pair of original six franchises. It's the Montreal Canadiens hosting the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, and you like the home team in this one. Why don't you elaborate a little bit on Montreal? Yeah, Greg, I mean, look, this is just something that we've talked about all year. You have the Blackhawks coming into this game on a road back-to-back the second game. You know, they just won last night in Ottawa. Hard game. You know, the Blackhawks have played a lot of hard, close games recently. All games, their last five games decided by one or two goals. One game, you know, they lost by three goals. Nonetheless, all four other games they have competed hard in fought down to the wire. The Canadians, they, you know, they had a losing streak, and, and right now they, they, they've gotten it back, winning back-to-back games. They, they, they beat the Senators on the road. They beat the Flames at home. They've been at home since Monday. They had off yesterday, still at home. I just really like the Montreal Canadiens with the home edge here and catching the Blackhawks, you know, a little, a, a, a little with some tired legs, slow legs on the second game of a road back-to-back, Greg. And we booked this at minus 170 earlier this morning. I put it out on Twitter. Yeah, and and you've gotten some uh, good closing line value there, as uh, I'm seeing now this at minus $1.78. So my guess is uh, that you're going to end up with about 10 cents of uh, closing line value by the time this is all said and done. I'm inclined to play this on the three-way, and and you've certainly talked me into it a little bit more um, as you we look at the spot here. I mean, neither one of these teams is all that great. You know, uh, Montreal and Chicago, both probably not going to do much of anything this year as we hit the second half in the National Hockey League. Neither team really looks like a playoff team. So oftentimes, you know, when you have one of those two teams on a road back to back, I always question the motivation and how much, uh, you know, they're really going to be able to get up. Whereas, you know, the other team being at home, you would just expect a little bit of a better effort uh, from, you know, a below average team at home than on the road. So I would certainly uh, lean that way as well. I don't have anything in the other game. It's the Philadelphia Flyers traveling to St. Louis to take on the St. Louis Blues. I would lean to the over if you're dying to play it. Uh, For what it's worth, it has been bet up from five and a half to six. Uh, Flyers obviously uh, have not been the best defensive team. Uh, Carter Hart, the goaltender, uh, I'm not sure if he's even starting tonight. I don't think that's been announced yet. Uh, but uh, he has been, he lo- looked a little leaky on Monday night against Boston. Flyers came back and won 6 5. So I would lean to the over there if you had to play it. But I am not taking anything in that game because St. Louis has been one of the better defensive teams in the NHL the last year and a half. Obviously, it was a key to them winning the Stanley Cup last year. And so, and, and I don't really have anything on the side either in that one. So. Uh, Let's go forward and go from the National Hockey League to the National Basketball Association, where I'm going to start with, uh, you could call it a get-right spot uh, on the Miami Heat at home. I like them, minus 5.5 tonight against the San Antonio Spurs. Total 221.5, but I'm going to look to the side and play the home team, Miami, at home. They are 13-4-1 against the spread at home. That is the best home cover rate in the NBA. It's not close. That's almost 77%. They are hitting against the spread. The next closest 
cover eight is the Boston Celtics. Almost said Boston Bruins uh, transitioning sports there. Uh, the Boston Celtics at 61% against the spread at home. So a pretty drastic margin there. And, you know, I think we've seen enough from Miami to think that they are the type of team that is going to rebound from bad losses and not have them trigger bigger losing streaks. And the reason I say that is because uh, we were talking about this map before we hopped on the air. Miami had a uh, three-game road trip just conclude in New York against the Nets and the Knicks, and they actually lost both games to Brooklyn and New York. Uh, And obviously, especially losing to the Knicks is not something that you should be pleased about, to say the least. But now they come back home, and this is a Spurs team that, you know, isn't very good. And, you know, we could be seeing, you know, the the once and for all the end of the Greg Popovich Spurs uh, if they are actually to miss the playoffs this year. So um, not saying that that's going to happen, though it might. Uh, but and the reason it might is because games like this, the Spurs just don't compete in as well as they used to. So uh, I think this is I think we can trust uh, Miami here. I think they've done enough in the first half to where I think this is a get right spot and not a, uh, oh, we're about to go on a long losing streak spot. Yeah, Greg, I mean, I agree. I think the Miami Heat should win. Now, nonetheless, um, I don't truly have an opinion on the number of five, but I do believe they should win. So I have another angle on this game. You know, I really like them to win, as I just stated. I like the Sixers at home to win to beat this Brooklyn Nets team. Sixers are coming in, losing back-to-back road games. I mean, the Sixers are just a completely different team uh, on the road and at home. I mean, there really are. It's just wild, Greg. They go on the road to, you know, just let's just backtrack about eight games. They go on the road to Orlando, Miami, Indiana, and the Houston Rockets. They drop all four. So they have a four-game road trip, and they lose all four games. They then come home. They beat the Thunder, and they beat the Celtics. In their two-game homestand, they go 2-0. Then they go back on the road, Greg, and they travel to Dallas and Indianapolis once again, and they lose again. So 0-6 on their last six road games. Luckily for us, Greg, they are playing at Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. You can parlay the Sixers and the Heat for minus 110 odds, and I really love it there. Yeah, I'm not going to give you much pushback on that. Uh, As a matter of fact, I am actually looking at the Sixers in the first half in this, only because, you know, kind of like you said, those road games, especially, uh, I mean, really both of them, even though the, the Dallas game was a more lopsided final, the Sixers were in good shape in both those games at halftime and and just let things slip away in the second halves. Uh, and uh, so I expect a frustrated Sixers team to come out and play with a little bit of an edge against the Brooklyn team that I know we just talked about them. They beat Miami. Uh, and, and maybe they are going to get in as that eight seed. And, you know, who knows? Maybe the rumblings about a Kevin Durant der- return might start if they do make the playoffs. But at the same time, the Sixers are substantially better. And I think anytime we, even without Joel Embiid, and anytime we talk about the NBA regular season, we always talk about motivation being a factor for the teams that we think are just the better teams. Because if they come and play hard, then the NBA is such a top-heavy league where 
those teams are going to win more often than not. And that's why I think the Sixers will come out and play pretty hard. And that's why I like them in the first half. Uh, Let's move forward. And I am going to go to one last play in the NBA. um, And uh, we'll keep an eye on the status of a bench player for the Sacramento Greg, I, Kings. You know, just to interrupt, I also think the Sixers' first quarter is 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 worth a look as well. <laughs> yeah, so I guess a similar rationale there uh, from both of us on the Sixers tonight. Uh, I'm going to go out west, though. Uh, I'm looking at the Sacramento Kings as a uh, live underdog against the Dallas Mavericks with Dallas on the second leg of a back-to-back. We're not sure if Kristaps Porzingis is going to play in this game for Dallas. He did not go last night. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich um, is uh, a key bench player for Sacramento, whose status we are still keeping an eye on. Uh, but uh, the Kings obviously are, uh, you know, De'Aaron Fox has been back in the lineup for quite some time now. And, and, and I do really enjoy um, watching De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald in that backcourt. And, and I think that, you know, this has been a good uh, one thing I like. I've talked about this before. I like to back uh, fringe playoff teams are normally good bets as underdogs in the NBA because those are the teams that are going to get up for opportunities like this against a better team. Uh, and, and uh, as favorites, those fringe playoff teams can play down to inferior competition. That's why they're fringe playoff teams. Sacramento this year, 14 and 10 against the spread as an underdog. That's hitting at 58%. Uh, and, you know, you look at the rest of the West as far as underdogs against the spread, only Phoenix and Oklahoma City uh, covering at a better clip against the spread uh, than Sacramento when they are an underdog in the Western Conference. So I think, you know, this makes a lot of sense. Sacramento kind of right on that playoff bubble. Um, Actually, they've slipped back. They're about three and a half games now behind the Memphis Grizzlies, who currently hold the eight seed. How about Memphis getting hot? But nonetheless, a little bit of a mishmash there outside of, uh, you know, the Thunder, who look to be pretty secure. You already talked about them. I just like to play these teams in these spots when they have a chance to make a statement like the Kings do tonight, and it is a back-to-back road for the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, I mean, look, this is this is a very interesting game because I think people kind of classified the Kings and Mavs both as young, up-and-coming teams, right. and clearly the Mavs, have taken the step up. I mean, at least, you know, 40 games in the season with their, I mean, you can even see their records flip 25 and 15 for the Mavs, 15 and 25 for the Kings. So clearly the Mavs players, I mean, thank, thank to thankful to Luka Doncic and obviously trade Porzingis, but you know, the Kings were always looked at as an optimistic young up and coming team. And clearly they haven't taken that step up yet. I don't know exactly what the issue is. I still see some young talent in that team, but you know, players like Buddy Heald and De'Aaron Fox, you know, seem to, they're clearly not elevating their game to the level of a Luka Doncic. So until they do that, I don't see the Kings being a real threat. But nonetheless, that doesn't mean that in this spot here, they can't step up and, and catch a Mavs team on a back-to-back. Uh, interesting note, Perzingis didn't play last night with a knee injury. Obviously, we know knees have troubled him in the past. He's a game-time decision tonight. You know, I expect him to play because he rested last night, but you never know. I mean, it, with, with, with a guy like Perzingis, they're, they're looking more into the future than a one game today on, on a random Wednesday. Yeah, and that's another reason, speaking to that 
just little system play that I like to look at when I have like a team that's two or three games out of a playoff spot or, or just barely in the playoffs. I like to play those teams when they're underdogs because normally also not only is it a big game for that team trying to prove itself like the Kings are and, and are going to continue, as you said, 10 games under 500, but then you have a Dallas team that, you know, they just got their blowout win against Golden State. And, uh, you know, I know that seeding in the West is going to be pretty important. Maybe they do, maybe they do care about every game, but, you know, they're coming back home and they play Portland in their next game. That's a game they should be able to roll, roll right through. You know, and it's just sometimes I wonder, like, how much do these teams like Dallas, you know, and maybe it factors into their decision with Porzingis. How much do they really care about wrapping up a road trip out West against the Kings team when, as I said, they already got the victory against Golden State. They just got a victory against the Sixers by a convincing margin. Sometimes they just think, hey, it's the NBA regular season. Teams take nights off. I'm not saying that the Kings are going to blow them out, but I do think the Kings have a chance to win this one, and that's why I think the four points is worth looking at. Matt? Yeah, we see it often, Greg. You know, after a few big wins strung together by teams, they often then drop games that they shouldn't. You know, however, I, I, I will say, Greg, that in, in, in this month, you know, the Mavs really have only beaten the Sixers, so I would be a little careful with that. You know, they did lose to the Lakers, and they lost that tough game at home to Denver. But nonetheless, I, I do think that the Kings are a solid, solid look here. Anything else, Matt, for you on the hardwood, at least in the association tonight, before we hit our break? Yeah, as I advertised on Twitter earlier today, I have a $10 max play. Obviously, if you're interested in that, you can DM me on Twitter for that, at Showtime Cappers. That's going to be available all day. That play tips off tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Let's hit a break. We'll come back, and we'll go to the college hardwood next here on Full Slate. Ever see an untucked button-down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your shape or size, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. I've had nothing but great experiences with Untuck It as they match fit with style in a perfect way. With more than 50-plus fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite Untuck It style online or check out one of their 80 brick-and-mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look too baggy, bulgy, long, or too big again. And their website is easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift still or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com and use the code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and use the promo code BLUE for 20% off. And we're back. Here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Greg Frank with you. Find me and all of my gambling picks at Undercover Greg. Joined, as always, by Matt Siegel at Showtime Cameras. Matt, before we get into the college basketball 
picks for tonight. I, I do. Let's just step step aside for a minute. Uh, some crazy news yesterday out of the NFL. I just I'm curious. How did you react to seeing Luke Keekley is hanging it up? Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually, you know, I, I don't think it's that crazy. I mean, the man's had 10 concussions, sure. 10, by, excuse me, 10 diagnosed concussions in a two or three year span, I believe. And like we said, that's only diagnosed what wasn't diagnosed and not to say he's not the player he is. But we are now seven seasons removed from him winning his defensive player of the year in 2013. The Panthers obviously firing Ron Rivera, hiring a new coach uncertainty at quarterback with Cam Newton and and where they're going and the direction of the Panthers in general. And, you know, I think Luke Keekley just looked around and said, you look, I not only do I not see the uncertainty of this Panthers team, you know, uh, where they're going, but Hey, I want to live a long, healthy life and enjoy my life. And, And I think that's ultimately, I think that's ultimately what it really came down to for him. Um, so, you know, obviously at the age of 28 to hang it up, I mean, it's a little young, but for him and his track history, I, I, you know, I really, I'm not too shocked. And I think he definitely made the smart choice. I really do. Yeah. And it'll be interesting. I, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I mean, it'll be interesting to see where this takes the Carolina Panthers and, and what it means for them as a franchise. You mentioned the coaching change. Matt Rule comes in. And we already knew that, you know, Cam Newton's future there was very much up in the air. Now they lose their best defensive player. Uh, Greg Olson, obviously, is another guy that's had some injuries and, and is aging. Uh, so there are some young players there to work with on offense. But it kind of looks like the Panthers uh, might be headed for a little bit of a rebuild. And, you know, I, I guess that's normally the case anytime you hire a new coach. Yeah, exactly. So I think he just wasn't, you know, with the rebuild, potential rebuild going on and in the injuries, I think he just, it just all, you know, it, it was a good time for him to go. And maybe, you know, maybe he has other interests and other plans that he really wants to get to. You know, some guys do, some guys don't, some guys do it just for health issues. But who knows, maybe Luke Keekley has a lot of other plans to, to start and, and do with his life. Let's get back to some picks on that note. And let's go to the college hardwood where Matt and I have a consensus play in the Big East. Uh, and it is the road underdog Seton Hall Pirates going into Butler, catching four and a half total of 129 in this one. I know Butler has been a tough place to play for plenty of teams uh, the last God knows how long. You could go back to the Brad Stevens days, probably. And, and, and Butler has been a good home court advantage. All of that said, we have Seton Hall coming in on a six-game winning streak, and Seton Hall has the best player in this game. It's Miles Powell, uh, who was in the National Player of the Year discussions preseason, missed a little bit of time with an injury, but he's back looking better than ever. And you have a Butler team here that I think naturally is ripe to get picked off at some point, right? I mean, they've been one of the more pleasant surprises in college basketball. And you have a Seton Hall team coming in hot with a good chance, I think, to win this game outright and be that team that takes down Butler. Butler all the way up to number five in the college basketball rankings. 15-1 uh, and one overall this season are the Bulldogs. Uh, but, you know, Seton Hall was a team preseason that, as I said, was very much in the mix 
in the Big East as well. And I think that this game is going to remind us that, you know, the gap is not that wide between these two teams. And, and I think that line indicates that as much. I don't think Seton Hall is being disrespected here. I'm not saying, you know, run to the window. This is a max player. This line's really wrong. Um, Butler's lone loss was on the road in Baylor. So they haven't lost in Big East play yet. I just think this is a great opportunity for Seton Hall to make a statement. We look at some of the games Butler has played in the Big East. Uh, they did pull out one narrowly against St. John's, then double-digit victories against Creighton and at Providence. This is a big step up. They play Seton Hall, who's number 18 in the country in this game. And then uh, they also go to Villanova next week, which will be a big game in the Big East. So I, I have a hard time thinking Butler is going to uh, leave that two-game stretch in between. They have DePaul, so maybe a potential sandwich spot there on the road for Butler. All of that said, though, I think Butler is going to lose a game in the Big East, one of the next three. I think there's a good chance it's tonight. I like Seton Hall plus the points. Yeah, I mean, Greg, you, you really took the words out of my mouth. Obviously, it's a consensus play. I'm on it with Seton Hall here, too. I mean, Seton Hall 5-0 and straight up last five against the spread as well, 5-0. and I mean, yeah, but look at the other side. Butler's been playing great basketball. Obviously, only lost one game all year. <clears throat> Excuse me, 4-1 and against the number in <clears throat> the last five. I think that these two teams, you know, I think that we really will see it come down to these two teams in the end. Um, you know, I like Marquette with Howard, but I, I just – Marquette's more of a tournament team to me because Howard – you know, can go on a run and, and string together. Matt, a I want to cut it. And you said five and zero. Oh. Uh, it's actually six and zero oh if you include they. Uh, Seton Hall had a big win without Miles Powell actually against Maryland. So um, they're six and zero oh in their last six, but five and zero oh, um, in their last five. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, so since dropping that since dropping that game, the Rutgers and getting blown out. You know, not to my own horn, I was on Rutgers that game. They they've obviously come back with a vengeance. You know, winning six games and covering the number in all of them. And, you know, <clears throat> Butler, Butler has done has done the exact same thing, right? Since dropping their game to Baylor by one point, you know, they've won, excuse me, four, they've won, they've won six straight games. So you got two teams coming in off of a, on a six-game winning streak off of their loss that they had a couple weeks back. It's a real interesting game. But I just think these teams are, are closer than the numbers next to their names say. And so give me the five and a half here. I think Seen Hall can can keep it close. And like I said, I, I'm not so sure if Seen Hall can win this game outright. But I, I think I really think there's a chance that Butler wins this game by five or less. And, and it comes down to the wire. I, I really do. Yeah, no. And that's kind of how I'm looking at it as well. Wouldn't be surprised if Seton Hall won. But I do think it's enough points for me to get to the window with the Seton Hall Pirates. Matt, where else are you looking on the college hardwood on this hump day? Yeah, so I'm looking at South Carolina plus five and a half. Um, you know, might not be the most popular play. Obviously, going up against Kentucky, um, who has won four straight since dropping their game to Ohio State. South Carolina, yes, has lost three in a row. I understand. I expect the home edge here to be a factor. I expect the crowd to be loud and get up for Kentucky. I mean, Greg, we just saw this last night with a Clemson seven-point outright victory. They were 10.5-point dogs at home to Duke. You know, we saw their home crowd 
play a factor when knocking off number three, Duke. When a blue blood team like Kentucky comes to town, the players get up for it. The coaches get up for it. They have this game scheduled on their calendar, Greg. And I just, I just think that it's, they're going to be able to keep it close. I really do. And I think there's a chance for them to knock off Kentucky and pull out the outright upset, just like we saw last night um, with Clemson. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, uh, ironically enough, like, you, you know, you have South Carolina and Clemson, obviously, in the same state, uh, both near each other. And I know it's different conferences, but, you know, I think a lot of times if you're looking for a little bit of an edge, those kids on South Carolina obviously saw what happened not too far down the road and, and probably did wake up with a little bit more juice uh, knowing that they have an opportunity uh, against a blue blood, blue blood program themselves to uh, pull off a similar upset. So I, I, I can buy what you're selling there. Uh, and this has been a Kentucky team that, you know, they've had some nice wins, uh, but there's also been some times where, you know, you can go all the way back to the Evansville game and you can look at some of their other games and just say, eh, you know, I don't know if that's the Kentucky team that, you know, we might think is going to go all the way to the Final Four. Not saying that those were the expectations for this team, though they were preseason top five. So uh, what I'm getting at is a Kentucky team that I do think uh, at different points in the first half of the college basketball season has certainly shown some vulnerability, uh, and so I, I certainly... Uh, and Greg, you know, if you're into some... Side. If you're into some little luck or superstition, I mean, you know, not to say that this is the basis for the play, but Clemson was 8-7 and seven last night when they upset Duke in the state of South Carolina. We go back to the state of South Carolina, and oh yeah, South Carolina sitting 8-7. and seven. How fitting would that be? Am wow. I right? Yeah. Am I right? <laughs> How about that for some symmetry? So uh, Matt likes South Carolina uh, plus the five and a half against the Kentucky Wildcats. Greg, take I, us to Waco because I know you got to play down there. Yes, yes. I am going to go to Waco. And Waco, it's, it's one thing uh, to lose a football coach like Baylor did with Matt Rule going to the NFL. But it's a little easier to get over it when you have a basketball team dominating as much as the Baylor Bears have. They are all the way up to number two in the land after a very impressive win at Fog Allen Fieldhouse on Saturday against the Kansas Jayhawks. But I am saying that the road stops here. Uh, well, maybe that's a little much. I'm not sure that Iowa State is going to win outright tonight, but I love the Cyclones. Plus, I'm seeing eight and a half and... Listen, how many times, Matt, have we seen teams this year in college basketball riding their high horse? You know, they just get into the top five, and there just seems to be no consistency whatsoever out of these new teams in the top five. Even teams that, you know, programs that we're used to seeing at the top. Michigan State has not been able to stay in that top five. They just laid an egg against Purdue. I know they weren't in the top five during the game, but that was a horrible game from Michigan State on Sunday. Duke, we just talked about them, lost to Clemson. And now we have a team in Baylor that has always been good under Scott Drew, and they've always been relevant, and they've always been a team with aspirations of getting to the Sweet 16. Uh, you know, And they've been to a regional 
final under Scott Drew. But here they are now at number two in the country, and there's a lot of weight and a lot of pressure, I think, that's going to start to mount on Baylor and really on anybody that is newly thrusted into a top three, top two spot because none of these teams seem to be safe. And so Iowa State uh, is a team kind of in the middle of the pack in the Big 12. And, you know, normally, you know, those are the teams that in this time of year, I want to get a leg up on. Because what we're going to see, and what I mean by that is, you know, we're going to see an Iowa State team that uh, I think as the year goes on, you know, if they don't find a big win either tonight against Baylor, uh, you know, or somewhere else in the Big 12, then we're going to see an Iowa State team be able to win games against the bottom feeders in the Big 12, but always kind of sit on their 8-7 and seven right now. They need to start making a move. Uh, to really get themselves closer to an NCAA at-large bid. Because obviously 8-7, and seven, you hover around 500, you're heading towards the NIT out of a power league like the Big 12. So my point is, when I say leg up, bubble teams in February get very expensive because everybody looks at, I mentioned it earlier, how Lenardi always comes out with a new bracket and everybody looks, oh, who's the last four in and who do they play? Oh, they need to win. So I'm going to bet on them. And, and I think if you can get a leg up on teams like that in these kinds of spots with Iowa State, I'll do it more often than not. Iowa State also, and you could say, and if this keeps you off Iowa State, I get it. They did get embarrassed last week against Kansas. Um, and so you could say that, oh, maybe they're just not able to compete with the best teams in the Big 12. I'm will- They did come back after that Kansas win, though and beat Oklahoma by 13, which was a telling victory for me that they are able to get back up and that they are going to make a push for an NCAA bid in the second half of the season. Uh, And so, as I said, I like to get a little bit of a leg up on these teams that I think are going to be on the bubble, uh, which is how I'm looking at Iowa State. Uh, I like them plus eight and a half. This line has moved. It opened about nine and a half, nine. So, I'm in agreement with this move. I like the Cyclones on the road to at least cover the number. Yeah, Greg, you know, I don't hate it. Obviously, you know, Baylor is coming off of a huge win against Kansas. A lot of times coming off a huge win. They could overlook their, you know, I I truthfully, I think this game, I think this game goes one of two ways. I think they really overlook it and it's, you know, and Iowa State comes to play and it's a close game the whole way. Or, you know, I I think you could just be on the wrong side and Baylor absolutely runs the train. However, I do think that this game will be close and and I think they're going to catch a Baylor team coming off of, uh, you know, actually two huge back-to-back road wins, Texas Tech as well. I think they're going to catch them, uh, you know, sleeping a little bit, Greg. Uh, I'm sticking in the uh, SEC, uh, you know, where I'm sticking in the SEC. So I'm going back to the SEC from your <clears throat> from your game, Greg, excuse me. And I'm going to Tuscaloosa. I'm taking Alabama uh, plus two at home against undefeated Auburn, right? You know, obviously, wow. yeah. So we're looking at two potential big upsets today, you Greg. You know, Matt, and, just to get in, and I will say, when you say two – I'm surprised because I did not look at this game, but this does feel like a trap 
uh, in terms of taking Auburn because an undefeated team against an Alabama team that, you know, is first year coach and Nate Oates has been kind of up and down like two would think, oh, it just feels like way too easy. Right. So the fact that it's two, I think, is noteworthy uh, and why I believe that immediately makes it Alabama a pass. Yeah, Greg, I mean, look, I, I would be lying to you, Greg, if I said my eyes aren't automatically always drawn to the unranked team at home playing the ranked team. It's very simple. We've spoke in-state about rivalry this. here in state rivalry conference game. You know, we spoke about why we like this. The, the players get up for it. The stadium, the crowd gets up for it. The coaches. It's just a different feel when you're coming and the team that is 15 and 0 with the four next to their name is coming into town you want to be the team to knock them off i mean yeah if real. Alabama, like this is regardless of what happens after tonight if you win this game you, i'm sure a lot of people would deem that a successful season you ended Auburn's perfect season yeah and remember college basketball is a lot different than college football college football you can't really afford a loss college basketball if for, you can obviously afford losses, but then for teams like Alabama, who at the end of the season will be on the bubble, these are wins that are resume-building wins that we can look back on and be, wow, look, you know, they might have finished uh, only a few games above 500, but they took down number four, undefeated Auburn. They took down this, you know, so these are wins that simply can get you into the dance in March. And as sitting at eight and seven, Similar to Clemson last night, similar to South Carolina tonight, this is a game that Bama at home can get up for and win. And like you said, with the short line, it shows the respect for and how hard it is just to play on the road in these conference games and specifically when you are an undefeated team. Everyone wants to knock you off. And at the end of the day, Auburn doesn't truly have wins that impress me, Greg. Some of these other teams do have big-time wins. I I don't really think that Auburn has any big-time wins. I mean, they've only, they went on the road one game, one true road game. They've only played one true road game this year, and they beat Mississippi State, I understand. But they played Georgia and and Vanderbilt. These aren't the other top teams in the SEC, so they haven't played them yet. I believe Bama's going to give them a run for their money. Bama's been playing great basketball. I understand three and two in their last three straight up, but they are five and zero oh against the number in their last five. They played two hard-fought road games: Florida and Kentucky at Florida. They were leading for most of the game, ended up losing that game in overtime, still cover the number, and had a hard-fought game against Kentucky. Uh, they lost by nine. The number was ten or ten and a half, but they still covered. Nonetheless, in their last three games, they have played Kentucky and Florida. Auburn hasn't played anyone that good. So, and I know Auburn's good, but in my mind, you know, they're not that much better than this Kentucky team or this Florida team. So what I'm getting at is Alabama has seen competition somewhat comparable to this Auburn team they'll see tonight. And those games were on the road and they still hung in there and and they were competitive. So now you come home. After, you know, a few days off, obviously, Auburn, their second true road test in conference games. And I think they dropped this game, Greg. I really do. It's their first loss this season. Yeah, no, it's a great handicap. And you certainly sold it on me. I'll consensus that 
as well uh, to wrap things up with the Alabama Crimson Tide uh, being a live underdog at home. Matt, that's all I got. Anything else from you? In yeah, college I also have another $10 max play available on the college basketball hardwood, like I said, as long, uh, along with the play on the NBA hardwood. So two plays today. You can DM me on Twitter if you're interested in those. We are taking our place to the next level, Greg, and, and I'm really excited for this weekend, uh, the rest of the year to come. As am I, Matt. Looking forward to chatting with you in a couple days. Only three more NFL games left to handicap, and we got two of them on Sunday. Looking forward to Greg, going over. Greg, four teams left before we get to the football uh, on Friday, four teams. Who's your Super Bowl champion? Let's end it there. Uh, San Francisco 49ers. I, I agree. On the spot, we didn't even talk about that. I promise everyone out there, I agree. San Francisco <laughs> 49ers win the championship. All right, Matt. I'll talk to you later. Have a good one. Everybody, enjoy your Wednesdays, and please play responsibly. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.